A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, whose right hand I grasp, subduing nations before him and making kings run in his service, opening doors before him and leaving the gates unbarred. For the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen one, I have called you by your name, giving you a title, though you knew me not. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. It is I who arm you, though you know me not, so that toward the rising and the setting of the sun, people may know that there is no one, none besides me. I am the Lord, there is no other. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. a new song. Sing to the Lord, all you lands. Tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his wondrous deeds. Give the Lord glory and honor. For great is the Lord and highly to be praised. Awesome is he beyond all gods. For all the gods of the nations are things of naught, but the Lord made the heavens. Give the Lord glory and honor. Give to the Lord, you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring gifts and enter his courts. Give the Lord glory and honor. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He governs the people with equity. A reading from the beginning of the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, remembering you in our prayers unceasingly calling to mind your work of faith and labor of love and endurance in hope of our Lord Jesus Christ before our God and Father, knowing, brothers and sisters loved by God, how you were chosen. 
For our gospel did not come to you in word alone, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with much conviction. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We find ourselves this noon hour in one of those nice convergences between the gospel reading and what the Church Universal today celebrates, namely Mission Sunday. Our gospel reading this morning calls us to recollect mission. It is not that we have a mission. We are the mission. We are the mission. And the reading this morning from the gospel, 
Jesus is confronted by the Herodians, the Pharisees, the Jewish religious establishment. They want to trap him, and they ask him in their version of the IRS, uh, do you, is it lawful to pay the taxes? So you didn't begin with Lois Lerna. It was going on right then. And uh, Jesus says to them, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God's what is God's. Uh, we can get the impression from that answer, and it's a very frustrating answer, and we'll get to that in a moment, because it seems to say so much, and yet it requires a great deal of us, because it doesn't explicate what is rendered to Caesar and what is rendered to God. But the impression that can be given is a kind of Lutheran approach. There's two realms, the realm of God and there's the realm of us and our everyday stuff. And it seems then that never the twain shall meet. So God is doing what God does, and we do what we do, and everyone seems to kind of coexist and get along. But that's not really the way it works, for God is the Lord of history and the Lord of all that exists. Well, then the question is, what is the bridge between the realm of God rendering there and the realm of where we are? The bridge, the connecting ligament, if you will, is our mission, which begins with baptism, which begins with baptism. And what is that mission? That mission from the moment we are engrafted to Christ is to make Christ known, the power of his resurrection that he is Lord and Savior. Now that's not just a nice pious words that I'm throwing out at you, like you throw crumbs to a bird passing by. Those are the words of the very power of God, directed to us for the whole of our life, to make him known in the power of his resurrection. That's the bridge. That's what we render to both Caesar and to God, that the ultimate Lord and God is not Caesar and all the Caesars of the world. And the Lord that we confess as Savior that died for you and me is the God who lives within us and around us each and every day of our lives. That's what we are to render. And on the Mission Sunday, the word evangelization has great currency. I was listening to a program recently. It's an interesting program. It was supposed to be one of these dialogues. They had an evangelical, a Pentecostal, and a Catholic on the panel. And after a few minutes, each member was beginning to stake out their turf. You know, we have this, and I have this, and you have that. 
And implied, of course, was is that you're deficient because you don't have what I have, and you're really deficient because you don't have what I have, and so on. And after a few minutes, I began to think, how unfortunate that we as Catholics, Catholic, we're all of those things. Say, well, wait a minute, my God. I'm not an evangelical. I'm not a Pentecostal. I hope you are. If not, you better let the scriptures know about it. From the very beginning, we're evangelical. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from a pope. It comes from the words of Jesus Christ. Go forth into the whole world and make disciples of all creatures, teaching and baptizing and preaching in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our fundamental vocation, our mission, and our calling is to evangelize. You say, well, wait a minute. You know, we have these images in our head because we watch all of this on television. The evangelists are on television, all nicely dressed, slick, with all the modern attractions of technology, everything there, it's all over the place. And they're, they're pumping the Bible and everything else like this. And it's all right there, it's very theatrical. It's very dramatic, it's very grabbing, no question about it. And then we have the Pentecostal. Well, I'm not a Pentecostal. You know the images that we get of the Pentecostal, huh? They're kind of rolling in the aisle, hands in the air, like somebody's committing a robbery, we don't know. This and that. Praise the Lord every two seconds, and oh my goodness, I'm not one of those. I'm a Catholic. I have the Pope. I have the structure. I have the truth. I have it all. And then we began to defend our structure and our institution and all of that sort of stuff. But to be a Catholic is to be evangelical. Go forth and make disciples of all nations which is going to bring you, see, the encounter with Christ is personal. It's personal. Jesus doesn't issue a mass call. He speaks to each and every one of you through your baptism in the particularity of your life. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are, I don't care what your condition is, socioeconomically, physically, physically mentally, it doesn't matter. Your call is personal, but it's not private. I want to repeat that. It's not private. You don't get to keep it to yourself. It's not a secret. That personal call to you involves you with others. It involves you to go forth and proclaim in the Holy Spirit the beginning of the church begins with a Pentecostal activity, doesn't it? They're in the upper room, and 50 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit descends upon them and the Blessed Mother. And Peter goes forth 
and preaches that great first Pentecostal sermon about Jesus Christ. And we're Catholic. That's Catholic with a capital C and Catholic with a small c. The small c, Catholic, is another word for universal. All y'all come. The arms of the church are open wide. It's a beautiful symbolism of St. Pope John Paul II at the beginning of the third millennium. When he went to the church, St. Peter in Rome, and opened wide and unlocked the church doors as a symbol of the church's welcoming of everyone. It's an infinite tent for all who profess Jesus Christ as Lord. So it is universal. The call to witness in the Holy Spirit, to evangelize in the particularity of our life beginning in the home, in our places of work, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. We are Christ bearers, Christian, I'm a Christian. But what does that mean? It means to bear Christ, to live Christ, to carry Christ. That, that's what I'm called to do. And in that, you enrich that part of the world that you touch as only you can touch it and only you, God, has called to bring Christ to that part of the world that you touch every day. Whether it's your classroom, whether it's your uh, rectory, whether it's your home, your neighborhood, if you are a Christian, you are a bearer of Christ and him crucified and risen. And that changes everything. We Christians are odd, we're a little weird, because we are not conformed to the world but we are God's instruments for transforming the world through the Holy Spirit. Our mission is sanctification, to be that vessel of the Holy Spirit in that part of the world that you touch every day. And at the end of each day, the world is, a, is in closer relationship with Christ, more sanctified, more grateful, or it's less so because of you, because of me, because of all of us. That's our mission. That's our mission, to be evangelical, to be Pentecostal, to be Catholic with a capital C. Catholicism is not a denomination. Let me repeat that. We are not a denomination. We're not Lutherans, we're not Wesleyan Methodist, we're not Episcopalians, we're none of those things. We are a communio. We are a community gathered, called, and concentrated, and consecrated around the person of Jesus Christ, the sacred scriptures, and at the Lord's table.
That's what makes us who we are and whose we are. And we should never forget that because the world has a different plan of who you are and whose you are. But Jesus Christ, we know who we are and whose we are. And that's what we bring to the world by our everyday lives, the way we live within our families, the way we conduct ourselves in our offices, in our schools, the way in which we live in our neighborhoods. It's the power of personal witness, personal but never private. Many, many, many centuries ago in the early church, there was an old skeptic, tough old bird, probably wouldn't invite him to your party. He's the uncle you hide when the relatives come over at Thanksgiving. Origen was his name. And Origen was skeptic of all these Christians running around. You know, this danger to the faith. Oh my God. And one day this fella came up to Origen and said, I heard something about you. He says, I'm sure it's not true. I heard you became a Christian. And Origen looked at him and said, yes, I am a Christian. How did that happen? He said, I've been standing here a long time observing these Christians. Look at them. See how they love one another. See how they love one another. He didn't convert them. They were, he wasn't converted by their structures, by their dogmas. Because you see, we can, we can argue dogma. Oh goodness, we can become a debating society. The great thing about that is we never have to do anything. Or we can become a kind of nice version of the Elks Club, where we all just kind of get together and smile and you know, have coffee and donuts and all that sort of stuff. But we're a community around the person of Christ crucified and risen. And that's what we render to Caesars, and that's what we render to God, that witness. I, I, I simply emphasize that because I think it's so important, especially today. And I'm gonna end with this. We find ourselves today, I think, in the 21st century, very much like those disciples on that first Easter afternoon, making their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they were walking on the road and they're crestfallen, they're hopeless. They're living without their Messiah for they believe that he was the one, he was the one and now all that seems to be useless and futile because they know what happened to Jesus on Good Friday. Oh, there's some rumors that he's risen. Some of you have seen them, but can't, can't listen to that. So into their midst, 
there appears a stranger, someone they don't recognize. And he asks them, what are you all talking about? What are you all gossiping about? And they said, where have you been? Haven't you heard what's been going on for the past three days? about this Jesus of Nazareth, who we thought was the Messiah, the great hope, the deliverer. Turns out to be another false Messiah, another false, another false alarm. And Jesus says to them, oh, how foolish and slow you are to believe. And Jesus opens up the scriptures to them. He opens up the scriptures. He starts with Moses and the law and proceeds to the prophets. And in the law and the prophets, he opens up the scriptures and explains to them their hearts are burning. Hearts are burning with the opening of the scriptures. And as they begin to arrive at the point where they're going to separate, they say to him, why don't you stay with us the night? The day is long spent. Have a meal with us. And they have a meal. And Jesus breaks the bread, distributes them. And that story to Emmaus appears in the Gospel of St. Luke. And Jesus says, you know, he says to them, uh, and it happened that while they were with him at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it and gave it to them. With their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. They recognized him in the breaking of the bread. I have here an unconsecrated host, obviously. And it was in the breaking of the bread that they recognized him. See, the breaking of the bread indicates that Christ is always with our broken humanity. It is with our fragmented humanity that Christ is present, because so is the cross. It is not whole and entire like that. It's broken. And in the breaking of the bread, where Christ stands firm, they recognize him. And then they're able to say, but weren't our hearts burning when he explained to us the scriptures? The scriptures, the table, are one in which we come to know Christ. Him crucified and risen. Not an idea, not something we read about, but a living reality in our lives. And that in the 21st century as it was on that first road to Emmaus, that's what our world today is hungry for. We've, we've, we've overfed ourselves and become undernourished. 
at the buffet of modern world. Fill yourself with things and stuff. Keep the shopping channels on. Consume and buy and make and produce. And you will be filled. And yet our standard of living is so high compared throughout the sweep of history. And yet so many people struggle with meaning and purpose in their lives. We have stuff, but we are vacant. The world needs your presence where you are. And only you can do it. There is no substitute. There's nobody else you're going to get. There's no fill-ins, no off-the-menu. You bring Christ to where you are. What do we render to Caesar, and what do we render to the world? We render the greatest gift of all, the gift of our mission, and telling, as those disciples did, Jesus Christ is not to be found among the dead, for he lives. And because he lives, all fear is gone. And I know he holds the future. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow because our Savior lives. Let us begin today and all the days that the Lord gives us witnessing to the one who lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.